Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts, the 19th chapter. Acts 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. So this was probably taking place in some part of America. Because unless you're 45 years or older... Even if you go to a full gospel church, you won't even hear that there is a Holy Spirit. Turn on any Christian TV station you want. They're all full gospel in in background. You can leave that channel on for 11 hours and you won't hear anybody speak in tongues. And you won't hear any altar calls to receive Jesus Christ. So I'm not on some one-man mission where it's my job to be the custodian of Christianity. But I'm going to tell you, the problems that are in the nation, the Bible says judgment must first begin where? In the house of God. So when you have a strong church, you have a strong nation. And when you have a weak church, then that weakness begins to allow weakness in the nation. At some point, I don't know when. My dad's an evangelist. And at some point, I don't know when. 1980s, mid-1990s. The church went in a drastic left turn in the United States, Canada, and Europe. I put a thing out uh, earlier this, actually at the end of last year, and I think the church, when I read it, thought I was attacking them, but I was attacking everyone. So no one should get offended because everyone was being equally attacked. Amen. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'd be happy to insult you regardless of your background. Amen. So I wrote, I wrote that if you're going to have a meeting that charges for tickets, don't invite me. And I said, I did not get into the ministry to have a 38-minute countdown clock on the back, give the same message that I gave at the last church, and then go in the back and eat grapes and cheese and, and finish and not pray for anybody. When you read the Bible, the Bible is a blueprint for how things are to operate in the church now. The further you get away from that blueprint, the less it works. And, and I don't know how people haven't seen it. You know, if you start praying for the sick on Sunday morning, and the, and the crowd starts growing, and people are getting saved, and people are crying. You get a reputation in that city very quickly that it's a cult. Those people are a cult. And then why? Because they're not having like a usual church. But if what they call usual church, that's over in 70 minutes. You know, I made a joke where I was at in Pittsburgh. I said, why don't these churches just cut to the chase and forget 70 minutes? Forget having a 50-minute service. Why not just drill a hole on the side of the wall and have a drive through window, and have people come and drop off their tithe and receive a communion pack to take in their car. You know, the next week, somebody sent me a clip that a church in Pittsburgh for Ash Wednesday. When's Ash Wednesday? I guess not a lot of Catholics here. <laughs> I think it's next week. Ash Wednesday, there's, there's churches. It's not a Catholic church. They're having drive through where you pull in, 
and they'll put the cross on your head in the shape of the ash and give you a communion. I mean, I must have picked it up in the gifts. So the reason I'm preaching this, I'm not in my mid-80s irritated about what's going on and taking some parting shots before I go to heaven. There has to be a change in the way we do church, and it's not that God has to do something new. The book of Jeremiah says, ask for the old paths. What worked? How did Oral Roberts run his services? How did Kenneth Hagin run his services? How did John Wesley run his services? How did Charles Finney run his services? How did the Apostle Paul run his services? I want to read it to you right now. Acts 19, his first question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Step one, if the devil wants to destroy a nation, is to divorce the church from the operation of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you have right now. There's pastors that if you meet with them privately, no, I'm actually baptized in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We just don't do it on Sundays. Well, when do you do it? Because you've canceled Wednesday night. There's no meetings anytime. When did Sunday morning turn into some kind of country club TED talk to give people two success principles before they go out and have brunch and mimosas with their mistress? That's not what church is. Sunday morning is to be the main display of the word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? One reason I'm preaching this to you is because in this meeting, and this is going to happen all this year in 2024, God is going to put a fire on young men and women and relight a fire in older preachers. It's what Joel said. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on who? All flesh. Your sons. So if your church is called a black church or Portuguese church or Spanish Pentecostal church, you're going to miss it because it's not for white people or black people or Hispanic people or Korean people. It's for all people. The Holy Ghost is a dinner bell for all tongue, all tribe, and all race. Can you say amen? I had a guy write me on Facebook. How come you never address the problems that are in the black church? I said, I'm still waiting to read in the Bible anywhere where it says anything about a black church. That's the devil. That's the devil trying to divide the church based on race. Can you say amen? Amen. I don't care what they have planned this year for an election. If you think I'm going to take a Sunday and go sit on a couch with other leaders and talk about racial problems, you're playing right into the devil's hand. When you preach the gospel, the power of the gospel destroys that racist spirit. Any great church in the world is full of all types of people. Can you say amen? amen? Everybody say it's coming back. Yeah. It's been lost, but it's coming back. And I, I, I know, I know uh, a lot of people think I'm an angry person. If you could spend time with me, you'd find I'm very unangry. I'm very calm. Even now delivering this message, if you check my blood pressure, it's probably three over one. You couldn't be more relaxed than me. Somebody just did two bags of weed. They're not as low pressure as I am. I'm not preaching this because I'm upset. Everything's humming in our ministry. I am not going to watch a generation of people get denied Who goes to a restaurant and they say, we don't serve food anymore? That's basically what the church is. People come bound. People come tormented. People come with their their children afflicted. And there's no answer. They're shipped out. If you talk to the pastor, they'll refer you to a counselor or a place where you can get some medication. And Pfizer continues to enslave the American people. And Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. 
There's no steel factories anymore. There's no actual manufacturing in this country. It's been taken over by pharmaceutical companies, and they make money off of the people's problems. But Jesus did not come to make money off your problems. He paid for your freedom, not with U.S. dollars, but with his blood. And then he not only gave his blood, but then he gave a command to the church. Go ye into all the world and preach. We have a Bible college at our, at our church. You're welcome to join 18 to 35. Our next intake of students is it's an actual Bible college. Now that we started this Bible college, you're starting to have an inflow of students. And I've noticed many churches are now all of a sudden starting Bible schools. Not to send students into all the world, to keep them from leaving the church to go to Bible college. Because as soon as the church doesn't win souls anymore, you have to hold everybody you have. Because you have no way to attract new people. And so not only are no students, when I say no, I'm not speaking too strongly. You have, I'll take a, you take a denomination. I won't mention any names, but it rhymes with assemblies of God. You take certain denominations. I want you to go on a little trip with me mentally. You used to have so many students being called into ministry that they had one Bible training school for assemblies of God in Springfield, Missouri called uh, CBC, Central Bible College. Then there were so many people coming, they said, we don't have enough room for everybody that's coming. So they had to start opening up regional schools, Valley Forge in Pennsylvania, Southeastern in Florida. They merged three schools that became Southwestern in Texas, PC Nelson School and a few other people, and then some out west to handle because churches were not only growing, they were starting to have tons of their youth group. When you're around the real message of the gospel, it's not a message that makes you just think, you know what, I'm going I'm, I'm to live a better life. I'm going to start believing for a better, better living room set. Our living room set has gotten kind of old. We're going to start believing for leather couches. Amen? That's not the message of the gospel. When you get around the real gospel, sitting in my dad's meetings, my father was here preaching on Bible prophecy last year, sometimes sitting and hearing about the rapture, and I guess it must happen to Bishop Donnie with his dad too, you hear this and you think, I want my life to be used for eternity. I want to impact my generation for Jesus Christ. And then when you don't have the fire of the Holy Ghost in a church, one way you can tell is no one is going out anywhere to do anything for God. Going to the Dominican Republic to paint houses is not a missions trip. You ask people, we, we took a missions trip. Where'd you go? We went to Barbados. And we painted three houses. You're not a missions team. You're a traveling Home Depot. <laughs> no, but we didn't just paint houses. We gave out water. Okay. I'm not, I'm not hearing anything. It would do well for people to crack this open every once in a while. Because this is not, you don't read the book of Acts and say, wow, isn't that great that that happened once? See, that's what they'll teach in seminary now. That these things happen in the book of Acts. To establish the church. Then once the church was established, God took the Holy Spirit away because the church had been established and you don't need it anymore. But anybody, and I'm talking to my seminary friends, anybody with an IQ north of room temperature can easily understand that the church actually has to be reestablished in every generation or it's lost. Some of you, your grandparents were in meetings that shook this nation. Oral Roberts wasn't charging $100 a person to come hear life lessons. They were having tuberculosis night. 
bring people that are sick of a communicable disease and we're going to pray for them. Did he wear a mask? Please participate. Did he wear a mask when he prayed for the sick? Did he wear uh, white or yellow rubber gloves? Did he say, now we're having, I know we announced we're having tuberculosis tonight, but please get all the people out of the tent. I didn't think anyone would actually bring anyone. No. Tuberculosis, cancer night, blind eye night, deaf ear night, bring the sick. Everybody say, bring the sick. So how do you go from bring the sick 50 years ago to if you're sick, stay home? How? I got questions. Because I never signed up for this crap. I got into the ministry to be in the Jesus type of ministry. And this country is teetering. It's not gone. It's not gone yet. There, there is a chance. There's a window that God's given us. To see this nation not fall into the plans of the devil. But if you think the Democrat party is going to accomplish that. You're smoking some bad crack. Not good crack. Bad crack. If you think the Republicans are going to do it, you're smoking worse crack. Republicans aren't interested in conserving anything. They're interested in yelling about what the Democrats are doing to raise money. Just like cancer research has no interest in curing cancer. Because if you cure it, you can't have your job anymore going on a speaking tour raising money to cure cancer. They actually like the problem. They like there being a problem. They don't talk about what's best for the country. Republicans don't talk about what's best for the country. They talk about what's best for the Republican Party. Democrats talk about what's best for the Democrat Party. But I'm not interested in those parties. I'm interested in the people of America being lifted out of sickness and disease, having whole homes with their mother and their father, and not having to chase people down for $20 a month child support. When I say revival, I'm not just talking about rolling on the floor. I'm talking about the fire of God shaking a nation and driving the devil straight back out of this land. If you're with me, can you say amen? amen. And, and that, that's actually, if I'm not doing that, I don't want, I don't, I'm out. I'm out. I don't have any interest in speaking or honorariums or anything. I have interest in that. The jet that I have is for that. You know, it's interesting. As I've more focused on those things, The Lord has given me all the things that people are trying to raise money to get. It's almost as if there's a Bible verse that says, Seek ye first the advancement of the kingdom of God. And when you do all the other things that people are trying to get, I will add them unto you. You take care of my thing, I'll take care of all your things. And God will take care. God will give you things that you never even would have got the magazine God will give you what you didn't have the faith to get the magazine to look at. Somebody say houses. Somebody say property. Somebody say transportation. God will give it all to you. God will give you buildings. God will give you all the things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do all the other things, does God know your heart? Oh, yeah, he made you. Delight yourself. Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's talking about the expansion of it, the building of churches like this. This is a church. We're not meeting in somebody's garage with 17 people. That's called a church split. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the expansion, the building. When I was in, uh, when I was in Angola, I asked the pastor there, he was talking about how they want to build the second church. 
I said, how much does it cost? He said, about $10,000. I have that. Built it. I need it. I have plenty of things to spend money on. I got 51 employees. I have, uh, uh, I'm building two churches for our own ministry. I don't care. The whole reason I have all that is because from the time I was little, I made up my mind at the level I can do it, I'm going to seek the building and expansion of the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Amen. And so when you do that, God said you enter into a deal. I know I've been talking about money for over a minute and a half and people start tensing up because they think now it's going to lead to an offering. We take an offering at the end. This is not all driving to an offering. I'm telling you how you can have an effort Trouble-free, smooth life. Seek first. Everybody say, seek first. first. I'll quote the whole scriptures, uh, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's talking about the expansion of it. And when you do. Everybody say, when I do. do. It doesn't say it might happen. It says, when you do, all these other things. You can read it like this in context. All the other things that people are going after instead. I will just add them unto you. That's what it means. So you go after my thing, and you'll never have to go after anything else. The Old Testament equivalent, delight yourself in the Lord. Well, what does that mean, delight yourself in the Lord? Just walk around all day. Love you, Jesus. Love you. No, there's an element of that. But it means delight yourself. If you'll delight yourself in my law and obeying my commands. What's the supreme command? Great commission means highest command, supreme command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be damned. Don't forget the second part. I watch preachers on TV, and I'm not against TV preachers. I is a TV preacher. I'm on three or four channels. I'm not against people being on TV, but I've listened in the last 20 years. You would think a preacher's job was to relax people about eternity. I mean, no, no matter what we do, there's no sin that his blood hasn't already forgiven. Excuse me? That's not what Peter preached. When Peter preached in Acts 2, and the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts and said, brothers, what should we do? Peter said, well, you don't have to do anything. He already did it all. Each of you must turn from your sins and repent and receive salvation through Jesus Christ, and then you'll receive the baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children, even to those that are, listen to that now. Check that. We believe that died out. What did Peter say? This promise is to you, to your children, even those that are far off, even unto as many as the Lord our God will call. Has the devil's power died out? No, he's still running around planet Earth. But not only has his not only has he not died out, the power that defeats him has not been taken off the earth. It's alive in me and it's alive in you. Everybody say, turn your back on sin. Yeah, there's a hell. I know everybody that dies, they write rest in peace on Facebook. The devil could die in America and they'd write rest in peace. Rest in peace. He did some things I don't agree with, but, you know, ultimately he was a good guy. I don't even know who goes to hell. The way you listen to people preach, I don't even know how you can go to hell. All your future sins are already forgiven? Oh, so then there's no way to go to hell then. Jesus paid the price for everyone's sin. But there's still only one type of sin that actually gets forgiven. Repented of sin. Now, I, I, I know I'm, I'm going deeper 
You can watch some Three Stooges before you go to bed to balance things out tonight. But you can't ignore a problem. You can't pretend there's no problem. So when people say that, and you hear people, and then, gee, all of a sudden, you got one leader after another in the last six months that's coming out. They have mistresses, homosexual relationships in, in the ministry, in the platform, children they fathered in their own congregation. Why? Because there's no, there's no understanding that sin is a spiritual cancer. It's not something like, well, we all sin. No, we don't. The Bible says in Romans 6, sin shall not have dominion over you. People are trying to get free from a bunch of stuff. But the thing that you need, instead of cutting the branches off the tree, blow the root out with some dynamite. And the root is a thing called sin. And the blood of Jesus doesn't just forgive your sin. It destroys the power of sin over you and your family. I see you leaving here tonight free from the power of the devil for the rest of your life. Come on, if you believe it, can you say amen? Go into all the world and preach and do it with the understanding that people that believe and are baptized will be saved. Everybody say, believe and be baptized. baptized. Now, if you pastor, and there's pastors here, you know, you read that. You read that plain as day. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. Um, Does that mean I have to get baptized? (laughs) I mean, if nothing else, get baptized just so maybe it washes the wax out of your ears so you can hear what it says. You know, instead of asking what's the minimum I have to do to get in, why not say, I'm going to do everything that that book says to do. When you do, you start getting in to the blessing. If no one else is doing all of it, I'm doing all of it. Yeah, I would get baptized. I don't know how I preach baptism, but two Sundays ago, we had 24 people signed up, and I made a couple comments that even if you didn't bring clothes, we have extra clothes, I would get baptized. You see what's going on in the Middle East? If you want to roll the dice... Knock yourself out. I don't want to get baptized. What's the risk? It doesn't say he that gets baptized in, in, in gasoline. It's water. Why not do it? We had another 36 people jump on and baptize 60 people that Sunday. I don't know how many people we've baptized in the two years of the church. One, year, one Sunday we did 92 new people just on one Sunday. Then 60 the other Sunday. Been doing it left and right. I'm going after it. I'm not, give, I'm not dropping to some junk Messed up. If you start messing with this thing, it doesn't work. You either take the whole thing and do it how it says, or or you might as well throw it out. You can't start picking the verses you like. How many know Jesus never talked about homosexuality, so I think if he was silent on it, we should be silent on it. Nice to have you in the meeting, Lucifer. I want you to say a scripture with me. Say all scripture is inspired by God. Jesus doesn't have to, there's not four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The whole Bible is inerrant and inspired. Can you say amen? Then you find out all the people that start making excuses for sex, give it 10 years, 12 years, you know what's going to come out. You meet people that are soft on sin, they're making a home for the thing they have a problem with. Non-givers don't like tithing, adulterers don't like the stuff on sexual purity, but if you're wise, you don't make the Bible come down to your level, you allow the power of the Bible to lift you up to its level. That's what's happening right now. I'm telling you today, you're taking a strong meal from the Word of God. You're going to come out of this Monday night meeting the strongest that you've ever been. The devil's not going to know what hit him when you come out of here. The greater one lives on the inside of you. If you believe it, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands.
Somebody shout hallelujah. Great commission. Go into all the world. You go into all the world. Not send tweets into all the world. Not make Facebook posts into all the world. You go. You know what's interesting? No matter how much when, when America attacks a place, we bomb. Israel's bombing right now. After all the bombing's done, and I know we're, we're close to military bases, so you folks probably know this better than I do. Once all the bombing's done, when we did Iraq, we did a bunch of bombing. But when the bombing's done, what do you still have to do? Who comes in after? You got to have boots on the ground. There's ground troops that come in. So thank God for TV. Thank God for radio. But there, there is no substitute for getting boots on the ground in Section 8 housing and trailer parks. And places where tent cities and having people come there and tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ and pray for them in person. Say with me, go into all the world. Now, if that is the Great Commission, how can any church have a year go by and nobody go to Bible school to get training to go into all the world? And even the Bible colleges, that are the ones that aren't shut down and they're shutting down left and right, or they've had to add English majors and law degrees to attract more students because no one's going into the ministry. But even the ones that are still open, they're all changing from Bible schools to leadership academies. You want to go to a leadership academy, they got one called West Point. It'll blow any Christian one out of the water. That's a great leadership academy. The Bible didn't say, go into all the world and train leaders. Go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone who believes it and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe, they'll go to hell. I'm not saying that with a smile on my face. That puts something in you. How many of you were here last night? You know, I didn't, I didn't spend a long time on the altar call, but the one I gave had some passion and conviction. Now, if you'd like to improve your life, maybe you're a little sad. Jesus, you know, you'll never be quite as happy without Christ as you could be with him. Jesus didn't die so people could be a little happier. The wages of sin is not sadness. The wages of sin is... Some of us grew up in homes where Jesus was not in that home. The house was a miserable place. When school got out, you tried to go anywhere else and go home at the last possible minute because that spirit of sin made life miserable. Then on the flip side, when Jesus is in a home, it's a joy. In fact, on the flip side, I, I've never preached this before, but just thinking about it. Not only was I not trying to avoid my house with my Holy Ghost-filled mother and my Holy Ghost-filled dad, my house was full of the kids probably running from their other house. We always had a ton of people over. I remember my dad coming off the road and telling me, quit having all your friends come over our house. I said, I never invite them. <laughs> they just come because probably they could feel a peace. And a love and a joy there that wasn't there. So sin, the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says, we just finished Christmas season. You shall call him Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. Sin, people need saved from sin. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be damned. Will go to hell for eternity. They never get out. They burn. You burn in hell. They don't listen to, you know, even hell. If, you, if anybody even mentions the word anymore. The worst part about being in hell is we'll be separated from God for eternity. No, it won't be. 
If you were separated from God your whole life, what do you care if you're separated for eternity? That man in Luke chapter 16 that went to hell, you can read it. He went to hell. All my Jehovah's Witness friends, he went to hell. You read it yourself. Luke 16. He didn't go to soul sleep. He went to hell. And the Bible says he cried out. He didn't say, oh, I missed the presence of God. He said, Father Abraham, can you please dip your finger in some water and cool my tongue? Because I'm in anguish in these flames. I'm burning. Jesus called it a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I know this is not enjoyable. I'll be gone after Friday. You can go back to doing whatever you're doing. You can play hopscotch and whatever you want. But this is important because Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we do work to persuade men. Knowing that there's a hell. Knowing that all this stuff that you can tell is on the horizon in the Middle East. You can see World War III like, like at the brim. And the only thing that's restraining it is the church. The world hates the church, but they're going to find out when you take us out of the mix, this whole thing's going down in less than 10 years. Anyone who does not believe will be damned. They go to hell. And these signs will follow them that believe. Well, number one, before you get into the signs part, what's the sign you believe? The proof of your belief is you're obeying. So when you believe that Jesus is coming back again, and that his command is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, then the proof you believe is that you get on the move for God. And then when you do, these signs just begin to follow you. You don't have to go to a prophetic conference and try to get gifts. When you get on the move to fulfill the Great Commission, the signs follow you as you do it. What are the signs? These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. In my name. Not they'll deal with devils. Not they'll rub someone on the shoulder. Lord, just be with them as they're going through this hard time. No. In my name, they'll cast out devils. I was preaching at a youth camp an hour and a half from here, near Harrisburg. It was the Pennsylvania, Delaware District of the Assemblies of God Youth Camp. I was 30, 32 or so. I was on a 21-day fast because I was going to go do a crusade in Camden, New Jersey that had the number one at the time murder rate per capita in the world, and it was just me. We ended up having, and the thing I was fasting for, I got. It was the first time one of our inner city crusades grew all week. Started with 3,000 and then climbed steadily to just under 4,000 all during the week, and we had a blowout meeting. So I'm on a fast because that's the next meeting, but because I was like in that kind of mode, I had a different youth camp. Because I, I knew there were devils in Camden. You can't have all that kind of killing, indiscriminate killing, not even gang-related or drug-related, just people waiting for the bus and get shot in the head. And I'm coming. I'm not coming to read some speeches. I'm coming to drive the devil out of that place. Now, if I was disciplined enough to read it, Acts chapter 19, that's what the devil, that's what Paul did. He came to a place where there were 12 believers, and when he left, everyone had burned all of their books to the religion of that place and were calling on Jesus in one accord. Let me tell you something. If you think that can't happen in Washington, D.C., or Los Angeles, or Chicago, or Miami, God is going to shake America one more time, and the people that are going to be a part of it are in this room. In my name, they'll cast out devils. So I'm, I'm preaching to the youth group, and I gave an altar call like I gave last night. But I looked over. I wasn't trying to do it. I looked over, and two girls that were standing there by each other, the word of knowledge operates 
The Bible says there's diversities of gifts, but the same Lord, and diversities of operations, but the same Spirit. So like Oral Roberts, if you read his book, he said, I'd feel a burning on my right hand, and that's when I knew I had the, the gift of healing for that night. I've never had that. There's differences in the way the Holy Ghost operates, but it's the same Holy Ghost. So some people with the word of knowledge, they hear it or whatever. They'll see a, a vision. I just, as I looked over at them, I, it's just like, like I know my name's Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I knew, I knew those two girls. And I walked over to them, and I, they were crying with their hands lifted. I said, you know, this is kind of a strong thing to say to two 15-year-old girls at an Assemblies of God youth camp. I said, there's a demon that's been assigned to destroy both of your lives. And then 1 Kings 17, uh, 18, 1 Kings 18 popped up to me. As was their usual custom, the prophets of Baal and Ashtarah began to cut themselves with knives and swords. So I knew what it was. That scripture popped up. So I thought, well, that, that cutting thing for youth, all these young ladies and guys, they're always wearing long sleeves. Now they even make shirts for it, where it goes around the thumb to cover all the scars. That's not new. They're, the devil has no new tricks. They didn't just get frustrated that they couldn't call fire down from heaven and start cutting themselves. As was their usual custom, they began to cut their bodies with knives and swords. So there was a, there was a demon behind those idols that liked to see people mar and harm their flesh. And I said, there's a demon that has been sent to destroy your lives that likes to see you destroy your flesh. I didn't, I didn't want to tell all their business to all their friends. I said, but just like that demon was assigned to destroy your life. I have been assigned to destroy the work of that spirit. In the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit. It will never trouble you again. That's it. Go dragging somebody in the back room and flinging oil around for four hours. That's what they taught me in full gospel Bible college. You know, sing songs about the blood. No, you, in my name, they will cast out devils called authority and you're gonna have to have that if you can't get your puppy to pee in the yard don't try casting devils out it's the same voice with both things you ever hear that story from smith wigglesworth he was getting on the bus in england and a lady went to get on the bus and her little dog kept trying to follow her on the bus and she went now you can't go and then she turned around and went to follow her again and now you can't go and she turned around and it followed her and the bus driver went lady we have to leave and she went, I said, get. And when she did that, it tucked its tail and went back in the house. And they said, Smith Wigglesworth stood up on the bus and said, that's how you have to talk to the devil. Because what did they say about Jesus? What did they remark about him? He taught as one with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Somebody say, cast out devils. I don't normally do this, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing it tonight and I feel to do it. Who knows how much time we have left on the earth? So, Pastor Tony, just because I know you and you won't get freaked out, come, come closer to me. Okay, we're in a normal church. We find out that Pastor Tony has a problem in his body. We get it. So how, how are they going to do it? It may be a little different based on what church background you have. But no, go, no you, you face the people. So they'll, they'll, from behind they'll come, oh, Lord, we just ask you, be with Brother Tony. Now, if you read the Bible, you stay up here with me. They never did pray for the sick. Like we pray for, they never talk to God about the sick. The closest you have to it is there was a woman named Dorcas who had died. Peter knelt down and prayed, but not for her. Then turning to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she sat up. 
Jesus said, I'm, gonna, I'm teaching you how to pray for the sick. You can keep doing it the other way and just have very no results. Jesus said, you shall say to the mountain. Everybody say, I speak to the mountain. So you don't talk to God about the mountain, and you don't talk to God about the sickness. Jesus, there's nothing more for God to do. You know, I told this story, and stay up with me. I mean, you're dressed nice anyway. People should see you. <laughs> I, um, I told this story at my church Sunday morning. I went to buy something for my wife. At Christmas time, we were in Nevada, and I went to buy something for her at a nice store, and uh, my card got declined, and I had the money for it. So I called. I thought maybe they thought because I'm in a different state that it's fraud. So I called. I said, hey, I'm trying to make a purchase here. And you denied it. They said, oh, we have a limit on how much you can spend. I never agreed to that. I'm not Dave Ramsey. I got no limit. Amen. <laughs> we love you, Brother Dave. So I said, uh, well, I, I, I want the limit up so I can make this purchase. You know, I'm in the store. I want to buy it. They said, well, we need a reason why you need more money. I said, okay, I have a reason for you. Because it's my money. What are you holding my money hostage? I got to send the uh, Mossad in to rescue my money. It's my money. Everybody say, it's my money. money. And then I said a couple more harsh things to them that I'm not going to say in the mic, and they released the money. That money, I wasn't asking them to give me $15,000. The money's already in the account. I'm asking to release what's already mine. And so I'm not, oh, God, please heal Brother Tony. No. The healing's already in the count. I'm pulling it down what's already there by my faith and bringing it into reality in Jesus' name. Can I tell you something? You're going to see the things that God's already put in your account begin to operate from today freely and without charge in Jesus' name. Go ahead. Clap your hands, all ye people. You will have the best year that you've ever had. Oh, God, we just ask you. God's going, ask me for what? You want me to send Jesus back down to take another stripe just for this guy? There's nothing to do. The full price has already been paid. There is no scriptural reason why I have to be sick any day in my life. I have not missed any services for sickness or disease, and I'm not missing any. He said, well, you're young. Not really. I'm 43. If you're a, uh, if you're a uh, football fan, and they signed a 43-year-old quarterback as their starter. You want to say, that's good. We got a new young quarterback. You say, what's this guy doing? But even if you think it's because I'm young, my dad's 65. How many of you were here when my father was here at this church last year? He doesn't look it, but he's 65. He has never missed a service for sickness or disease. God's kept him healthy. Now, it gets quiet when you, people don't like that. People like being sick, and they like their health plan and everything. I don't think that. I think you do have to be sick. Okay, find me some scriptures. If you want to be sick and you want to make a little home for it, you can have mine too. But the Bible says Jesus didn't come and take a lashing on his back for his sickness. He took it for whose sickness? He took it for mine. So if Jesus already took all my sickness and disease, somebody tell me why I should ever take it again. Everybody say my healing is already in the account. And I pull it down. By my faith. faith. Well, when you know that, you don't say, oh, God, please. God's out of the equation. It's already done. Everything in regards to your healing and your peace and your righteousness, it's in your account. 
So tell that banker that's holding it up to let it go now. Lord, we just ask that you be with Brother Tony. If we could just get some more deacons to come around. Listen, more people praying the wrong way doesn't help. I'm putting sugar in my gas tank. If we just get some more guys to help me put sugar in the gas tank. And one guy doing it right is better than 20 people doing it wrong. So they didn't do that. That's how they pray because they don't know. They, you, oh, God. Oh, God. You know, Kenneth Hagin went to a sectional meeting in Texas. And there was a pastor that was sick in the hospital. And they had Raymond T. Ritchie that was a great healing evangelist from a long, long time ago. His dad had the largest church in the United States in Houston, Texas. They met under a tent because they couldn't even build a building big enough to hold the people. So his son Raymond, that had a major healing ministry, Raymond T. Ritchie, they said this pastor's in the hospital with cancer. We see that Brother Ritchie's here. Could you come up and pray? So he came up and prayed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we send your healing power. This hospital room, everyone's praying in tongues. You know, old Pentecostal pastors, good, good guys, basically. They're praying. And then when he gets all done, in Jesus' name, amen, he goes to walk back to his seat. Then he comes back up and takes the mic. He goes, how many of you are going to keep Brother Johnson in prayer? Everybody raised their hand. And he went, what are you going to do that for? We already said in Jesus' name. And the Bible says if he hears us, he will answer us. Instead, why don't we lift our hands and begin to thank God that he's heard us and answered us. So the lady got on the organ. Other guy got on the piano. They lifted their hands and began to praise God in tongues and in English. And then like a praise service broke out as they began. Now, they, they don't see him. Believing that you have received, you will have. You don't believe it when you hold it. You believe it when you say it. And then it pulls it into the natural. They get so caught up praising God and singing and dancing. And all of a sudden, in the back, with a coat on and his hospital gown, comes the pastor who got healed while they were praising and came into the room. I'm telling you, there's some things that people haven't seen, but they're coming back this year. God is going to move in his church in might and power in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say, speak to the mountain. So you don't lay your hand on the back. You lay your hand. You can lay it on the head. You can lay it on where the problem is, and then you speak to the thing. Speak to the tumor. Thank you, Pastor Tony. If you live in Baltimore, that's Pastor Tony Carpenter, and that would be the, a great church to go to. You, you, you don't pray out devils, and you don't counsel out devils. What, what the, now i got a question for you. Pregunta, por favor. What would the modern church do? With a man that was so full of demons that they couldn't keep clothes on him and they would chain him with iron chains, not zip ties, iron chains. And he would often break the chains and then assault people so that no one could go through that region of the town. That's what the Bible says. Now there's some kooky people in this country. On, in Kensington, Philadelphia, I'm sure in sections of D.C., I'm sure in sections of Baltimore, but I've not heard of that here, where there's one man that's so violent that no one can go past that street because he'll just come assault you and he's naked. And when Jesus stepped on the shore, a shockwave of the anointing must have gone out and the man ran out of that region. 
and he didn't attack Jesus. He bowed at his feet and began to worship him. Somebody say power over the devil. Now make it personal. Say thank you, Jesus, that you've given me power over the devil. Now lift your hands and begin to thank God that that power is coming into manifestation. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. Every demon spirit that's been attacking your life, it leaves today, right now, in Jesus' mighty name. You know, I'm going to help you tonight. You're not going to have to sign up for anybody's 40-day deliverance course for $399. If you need 40 days to get somebody delivered, you're probably not a Christian. You're just, you're just taking advantage of people. What did Jesus do with that guy that had a legion of demons? Sign him up for a 40-day deliverance course? Take him to a retreat center where people could come in and pray for him every day? No. I want you to catch this. Because Jesus, now remember, I did this, but I'm Jesus. The same work that you see me do, you shall do in greater. For I go to the Father on your behalf. I heard a pastor a couple weeks ago, he said, I know our prayers can be powerful, but you know whose prayers are the most powerful? Jesus's. No, they're actually the same. Because when I say in the name of Jesus, I have access to power and authority when I, when I pray my prayers. And now I can say to a mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And my command will be obeyed. I'm not saying this to help make the service be better. I am telling you the truth. There is fire coming on men right now and women that already had the fire, but God's giving you a fresh fire and you're going to make another run in the ministry. You're going to have the greatest time of your life in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If your church has grown old and stale, you're going to come back in the pulpit next Sunday and blow those religious demons back out the double doors. The devil's not going to write the final chapter of your life and the devil's not going to write the final chapter of your ministry. You're going to do great things for God. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen? In my name, they'll cast out devils. So what would you do with a man that's naked and assaults people? You're going to counsel him? Now tell me, when did this start? <laughs> what was your home life like? I'm talking lunatic. That's, what the, that's the word the Bible uses, lunatic. Lunatic. Not like a little crazy, not like your one aunt who if she hasn't had a meal in a, uh, four hours can be like hard to deal with. I'm talking a man that terrorized a region full of the devil. The modern church would have no answer for that. Now, do you think that there's nobody like, those demons didn't die. The pigs they went into died. But the demons didn't die. And notice how the devil immediately began a negotiation. Listen, we know we have to leave. We know we're being evicted. Please don't make us just go out into space. Let us go into that herd of pigs. Well, Jesus is Jewish. If they were chickens, he never would have let them do it. But pigs, they had no use for them. So he said, knock yourself out. And into the pigs they went. And the second they went into the pigs, the pigs ran over a cliff and died. That's what the devil does. The devil is a tormentor. 
He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the author of sadness. He's the author of sorrow. He's the author where you just want to go in your room. You don't want any lights on. And you, you just, you don't want to be around people. And you start having weird thoughts about life's not worth living. He was the force behind those girls cutting themselves at that youth camp. But thank God, all those things that torment people still today. Jesus didn't just say he'll help you deal with it. He didn't even say that at all. He didn't say he'll be a shield, though he will. He took it a step further. I give unto you power over all the power of the devil. Say with me, power over all the power of the devil. That's what it says, Luke 10, 19. Behold, in fact, the disciples came back from their missionary journey. And they began to remark, Jesus, even demons obey us when we use your name. You know why? Because if you read the Old Testament, nobody cast the devil out of anybody. Because it was the devil's time. He was the God of this world. He had not been dethroned yet. Elijah never cast the devil out. Elisha never cast the devil out. No, uh, uh, Samuel, name whoever you want. The closest you get to it is David playing the harp and the evil spirit leaving that atmosphere of praise that was trouble tormenting Saul. But nobody could cast out devils. But then the disciples said, Master, even when we use your name, even demons obey us and come out. What did Jesus say? Are you serious? I mean, I knew I was powerful, but that powerful? No, he actually, he actually knocked it up a level. He said, yes. I, you know, all demons are subject to you. I saw Satan, their boss, fall like lightning out of heaven. I saw that joker get his rear end thrown to the ground out of heaven. That's their boss. And behold, I give unto you. Give. Not I got, oh, Lord, help. No, 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 no. Somebody say, I have it. Jonathan, where you're going could be very dangerous. Not for me. It's not going to be a bad week for me. It's going to be a bad week for the devil. People take missions trips expecting to get it. Where we're going in Africa, some of the strongest demons there are. Who cares? I'd be like the, if there's an ant, A-N-T, crawling across in front of my TV while I'm playing video games, and I go to kill it. I say, no, before you kill it, you should know that's one of the strongest ants in this region. Okay, that's great. He, I don't care if he's valedictorian of ant high school. I don't care if he has an ant division one football scholarship. He is in a lower kingdom, and I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to put his little head on a toothpick as a sign to other ants that if you get my peripheral vision while I'm trying to win a video game, you're going to die. I'm not afraid of ants. I don't care what the credentials of the ants are. Jesus stripped demons of how much of their power? The Bible said, well, this is a good church. You must have a good pastor here. He stripped them of how much of their power? Oh, so the power that Satan gains is usually through deception. When people think he has power, they think they have to suffer. And if you go to your average church, you're never going to hear anything to the contrary. In fact, you're going to hear at many churches things that reinforce you having to suffer. How many of you know we all battle sin? How many of you know we all have something we're battling in some way? Let me tell you something. That is not what the scriptures have conferred on the believer. It doesn't say we're all struggling with something. It says we're more than conquerors and the devil is not over our head. The devil's not eye to eye. The devil's the same place today that he was yesterday and he'll be there tomorrow. Not over our head, not eye to eye. The devil is under our feet. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you, has given you the victory. Somebody say more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. 
We used to sing a song growing up in church. You don't have to sing it. I'm just saying. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. You don't hear any talk like that anymore. I mean, nowhere else than they're saved by grace. No, you're just a sinner. Or you're illiterate. Bible number says you're a sinner saved by grace. It says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, how many things become new? All of them. So that's what we used to sing in church. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things are passed away. I've been born again. More than a conqueror. That's what I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Listen to that again. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I struggle with alcohol. Here's an idea. Kill the alcoholic. Bible doesn't say to help deal with alcohol. It says put the old flesh that you may mortify the deeds of the flesh. That you die with Christ. Nevertheless you live. That's why the symbol of Christianity is the cross. It's about dying. It's about you. You don't need help behaving better. You need to die. You're nailed to the cross with Christ. Nevertheless you live. But it's no longer I that lives. But Christ liveth in me. Does Christ battle alcohol? No. Somebody said, yeah, I don't even want to look to see who it was. <laughs> Are you that drunk? Yeah. I just heard alcohol. Yeah. Does Christ battle depression? Is he full of joy? Where does he live? So anything that can't conquer Christ can't conquer me because I'm dead. Jonathan has been put to death and re-put to death. That's what 21 days of fasting and prayers. It's putting you back to death. That it's no longer I. That you may mortify the deeds of the flesh. But thank God. What does it say? 2 Corinthians. The Bible says we have this precious treasure in jars of what? Vessels of clay. So when you bring the clay to its lowest point, it's the thing that's blocking the treasure. The flesh warreth against the spirit. So fasting brings the flesh to its lowest point. But then that treasure that's already there now starts to break out. That's why. How many of you did, uh, were on the 20, I'm not saying you never, you messed up or something. But I'm saying basically you were on the 21 days of fasting and prayer to start. Do you ever notice how certain things in the spirit just started to work without you trying? I wasn't praying about where to go when the Lord said, now go to the West Coast. Don't just go preach in San Diego. Pit, go to the cities I'm going to show you and have meetings there. I was just minding my own. I was just sitting. But that treasure that's there that gets obscured by the desires of your flesh, when you bring your flesh to a weak point, especially after day three or four, then it's just all spirit. And you start hearing clearly. Then will your light break forth like the dawn. Light talks about revelation. You start hearing God's voice. Can you say amen? amen. Your prop, can you say a better amen? amen? Your main problem is not the devil. Your main problem is the flesh. It doesn't say the devil wars against the spirit. The flesh wars against the spirit. So what are you doing tonight? I mean, probably, I'm not going to take a show of hands. Probably close to 100% of the people that are here. At some point, you made a plan to come here last night or you got blessed last night. Yeah, I'm going to come back tonight. And at some point, Something put a thought in your head. Maybe tomorrow. You know, I was in church twice yesterday. Or if you drove here from two hours away or whatever, you know, that's a lot of driving. 
I'll take Monday off. He's here all week. So your flesh kicks up. Your flesh wars against your spirit. You know how you know that's true? Especially in a place like this, the Washington, D.C. metro area. You're busy. If you're not busy here, you're going to be homeless. You've got to work two jobs just to keep up. And so uh, even like drug dealers have to sell two different types of drugs just to <laughs> diversify. In case there's a downturn in one of the markets. But anyway, this is not a seminar on dealing drugs. This is a service, so I'm going to keep going. So you work hard. How many of you, by accident before, have fasted till 6 or 7 p.m. and you didn't even mean to? You, you're just running your kids to school and everything. Okay, so you just do that and never even think about it. But that has never happened one time when you made up your mind you were going to fast the next day. <laughs> I don't even eat breakfast, ever. And if I make up my mind to fast, I wake up like an hour and a half before my alarm goes up. I want bacon. <laughs> and the voice isn't even my voice. Like, I want bacon. <laughs> Say something with me. Say the flesh, the flesh. wars against the spirit. Now, what does the Bible tell you? That usually you're going to win that battle, but a lot of times you're going to lose that battle. Or does the Bible tell you the same way that Jesus kept his flesh under subjection? Why do you think probably the most important thing in the Bible is self-control? It's a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So though there is a flesh that wars against the Spirit, see, that's why if I could talk to every one of you one-on-one, if you wanted to tell me some horror story about how weak your spirit is and how strong your flesh is, I wouldn't believe you. Because I believe if we were having this conversation at the gates of Six Flags, but at some point today, you had your flesh rise up to try to keep you out of this meeting, and it was your spirit that said, no, I'm going to that meeting. So if you stay in that flow for the rest of your life, though desires of the flesh come, but then but with your spirit, as many as are led by... The Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. Say this, I can be led by the Spirit. Then Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, one paragraph, walk in the Spirit. Second paragraph, now I say unto you, live in the Spirit. Third paragraph, so walk and live in the Spirit. I not only have the power to have the Holy Spirit, I can yield to Him all day, every day. You've been doing that. You weren't sinning yesterday. You didn't have time. Even if you like sinning, the service got out so late yesterday, you were too tired to do any sinning. (laughs) So you went home. Why? Because you actually spent all your energy here in the house of God, praising and singing. And so there was nothing left for the devil. Then here you are back again. When you get in that flow of honoring the Holy Ghost in the word and telling your flesh, I use you as a suit to stay on this earth, but you don't call the shots. My spirit calls the shots. Then when you start to live like that, you not only live in victory over the powers of the devil, the spirit begins to take you higher and higher and higher. That's where I see you going in 2024. No more ups and downs, no forward and backward, higher and higher and higher. Jesus' mighty name. Come on, go ahead. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Somebody say, I'm led by the Spirit. In my name, they'll cast out devils. (laughs) 
I'm not battling with something that I'm anointed to cast out. Don't con- I'm gonna, I won't have you shout stuff out all night, but let me have you say a couple of things. Say, don't confuse, don't confuse. A, temptation a temptation with sin. With sin. Yeah, your flesh will give you ideas, but you don't have to yield to it. Anybody that's ever driven in this metro D.C. area, I don't care how filled with the Holy Ghost you are, have thought about running somebody off the road into a median and then getting up out and beating their face in. Don't laugh too loud or we know who the word of knowledge was for. But the point is you didn't do it. That 80-year-old woman that was going 19 miles an hour in the left lane, you felt like pulling her over and ripping the groceries out of her car and scattering them all over the highway, but you didn't do it. So I'm here to say good job for not committing elderly abuse. Amen. (laughs) Say this out loud. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head. But you can stop a bird from building a nest in your hair. Thoughts that are errant come to everybody. But you have the ability to take those thoughts and cast them down. I mean, you know, I remember one time before we got our own airplane, I got delayed and delayed. And when I finally got to Toronto, it was, I checked into my hotel room. It was 8.25 a.m. and the service started at 10. And I was tired, very tired. I don't get tired much, but I was tired. In fact, they sat me next to on the plane. What's that guy's name? Cuba Gooding Jr. And I was so tired. I was thinking, I hope he doesn't talk to me. I drew my hood up and closed it. I just wanted to rest. I don't want to talk about Academy Awards and stuff, which I'm sure he was really hoping to talk to me, but he didn't get to. So I get to the hotel. I'm wearing my suit still from the night before because I had to race. I Saturday night, I raced to the airport, and I'm wearing, I got a loosened tie. So I come in to check into my hotel room at 825 in the morning. And the ladies behind the counter, you know, they don't think you're a preacher. Somebody had a wild night. Like, no, I didn't. I had a very unwild night. But I looked like I did. So I check in. And then I get in there. I set my alarm for nine minutes later. Well, when my alarm went off nine minutes later, I was not well rested. I actually thought, you know what? People can all go to hell. I'm on YouTube. They can watch that if they need to. You start thinking crazy thoughts when you're tired. So I I rolled myself out of the bed, and I got into the shower. And as I'm showering, I thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. This this is ridiculous. I'm I'm very tired. I think I'm going to start scaling back. I don't know if I'm going to keep traveling and preaching. And I felt this thing boom in my spirit. Never make decisions when you're tired. All right. And the Lord said, you don't have to keep this going for another 40 years. You only have to make it to 1.30 and you can go back to sleep. Uh, That's true. I can do that. So I did it. I got me a Red Bull. Then I got six more. Then a couple more. And I pounded, I shotgunned them. I popped it and was drinking on the way to the platform. And I got up and preached. And so when a thought came that you're going to have to quit and you can't keep this up, I didn't start dwelling on it and call other depressed people and foster it. 
I took that thought and said, no, I'm not making decisions when I'm tired. God's going to give me a grace to make it through just like he did. And I've never battled that again. And I'm telling people tonight, there are things you battled before tonight that you're never going to battle again. Because God's not going to give you one victory. He's going to give you victory after victory after victory because you're more than a conqueror in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, one more time. Clap those hands unto God. Give him a mighty, mighty shout. Oh, I hear an army in this place. Shout it out loud. The devil is defeated. Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, say it one more time. In my name, you'll cast out devils. So these two girls are over there. There's a spirit that likes to see you harm your body. But I've been sent to destroy that the work of that spirit. In the name of Jesus, I command that spirit to never bother you again. Go! When I said go, two normal-looking teenage girls. I don't even... In fact, I think they told me that was their first time ever at like a full gospel church camp or anything. I never touched them. They both fell over backwards and shook violently under the power of God. I mean, it it was a sign and a wonder. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 5. 1 Samuel 5, 1. After the Philistines captured the ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer in the town of Ashton. They carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of God. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord, and this time his head and his hands were broken off. Now, that idol was a demon god, and it was their top demon god in Philistia for the Philistine people. They captured the Ark of the Covenant, which was a wooden box that carried the glory and presence of God. And without thinking, they because I'm sure they conquered lots of people and took their gods, but their gods didn't have any power. They laid that box next to their idol. When they came in the next morning, the idol had fallen over. So they thought, well, that's never happened before. They popped it back up. When they came over the next day, the thing had fallen back down so violently that it broke its head off and it broke its hands off. I like you guys, so I'm going to tell stuff I normally don't, don't preach to people. The Lord gave me this as a revelation. If you combine this scripture with John chapter 1, that the Bible says that the word was God and came into this earth, and darkness could not comprehend it. And darkness, another translation said, didn't have the capacity to extinguish it. Head and hands. That the power of God is something the devil can't even think up a plan of what to do with. And even if he could, he doesn't have the power to do anything about it. That's the significance of the head coming off and the hands coming off. Now, if I were the devil, and I'm not the devil, and I specifically didn't wear red to con- not confuse anybody. If I was the devil 
and I knew there was something that I don't have the power to think up a plan against or to extinguish if I could, then my number one mission would be to get everybody in the body of Christ to lay down that thing and take, make it not a part of church anymore. And that thing is the power of God, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And that's why Peter, or sorry, the Apostle Paul said, in the last days, Timothy, men will have, 2 Timothy 3, 5, in the last days, men will have a form of godliness, but will reject the power thereof that would make them godly. Have nothing to do with people like that. And you've seen that now. They're done praying for the sick. I mean, at best, at best you get this. Now, we're out of time. We're going to dismiss in prayer. If you need prayer, we have some prayer partners over here. You can come and see them. But there's no flow like Jesus had. The Bible says Jesus taught, then preached, then healed. You watch those old healing preachers. They had a ramp built where they were preaching, and they'd announce right from the beginning. Tonight I'm going to preach, and at the end we're going to minister to the sick and the afflicted. I was reading in Oral Roberts' writings last week that in one service he laid hands on 9,000 people. If you're moving quick, I've laid hands on 2,200 people before. If you're moving fast, you can do that in about an hour, five, hour, ten. So 9,000, I'm guessing, would be about three to four hours of laying hands on people after you're done preaching. And they preached under tents. Have you ever been under a tent in the summertime? It's similar to hell. You can, lose, you, you can lose eight, nine, ten pounds preaching one meeting under a tent. These guys would preach not one night, not a weekend, 30 days under the tent. Lay hands on everybody. And what happened? 1940s, 1950s. Probably about 85% of you that are in church right now are in church because your mom and dad were impacted in those meetings. In fact, it broke out past the tent. How come there were a bunch of Catholic nuns at Duquesne University? in Pittsburgh, that got hungry for the Holy Ghost and started having underground studies and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And Pope John Paul II, when he heard about it, didn't stop it. He asked Dora Roberts to come and help teach the Catholics about the operation of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic renewal was born because men went into cities and preached and taught and prayed and cast out devils. And I don't know what people are doing right now, but that other kind of ministry, God is getting rid of it right now. If I were you, I'd make up my mind tonight. I'm going to get full of the Holy Ghost and fire, and I'm going to be a part of this last day move of God. If you're with me, let me hear your hand clap. If you're with me, let me hear your shout. I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. I feel like a lot of what I'm preaching tonight isn't even for you because you're like very nice people. But I believe there's pastors watching me and pastors hate watching me. Can't look away. They say 60% of the people that watch Tucker Carlson are Democrats. It's called hate watching. I hate it. <laughs> and I feel like God's given a warning and an admonition. Anybody say admonition. admonition. I'm telling you right now, you remember when um, Gideon took those men with him to win a battle and he had a ton of men and God said it's too many and then he made a cut sent a bunch of them home and only took 300 there's a cut taking place right now there's 8,000 seat churches I won't say what state that are having about 240 people come on Sunday morning now they missed the cut 
They went pro-abortion. They went wicked. They went against Israel. They lost the plot on the Bible. You're seeing it happen right now that there's a cut. God's not taking everybody. There is a separation this year. But you know what I'd do? I'd make up my mind if there's a separation. I'm going to be on the Lord's side. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live righteous. I'm going to live full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. And here, well done, my good and faithful servant. If you're with me, can you shout yes? Yes. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know when I got that revelation on 1 Samuel chapter 5? It's one of the only revelations I've gotten for myself. Most of them I've heard from other people. I was getting ready to go preach in the violent offenders wing at a prison north of Pittsburgh. The warden got the baptism in the Holy Spirit in one of my meetings and asked me if I would please come to the prison. So I went. And they had 33 guys sign up. And they're all violent offenders. And they all looked like violent offenders. It wasn't like you went in and went, wow, you guys committed crimes. You can barely tell. So they're staring at me, not disrespectfully or anything, but they, they looked like guys that committed violent crimes. And so I cracked my Bible open and I read about the man from uh, the Gatherings that was so violent that he couldn't keep clothes on and beat people to death. And I said, now, I'm sure some of you are innocent, but I'm sure some of you also know you're guilty. And uh, some of you would say, no, I am pretty violent. And I'd say, I said, I bet you some of you even have felt something come over you that now that I'm preaching, you realize it was a demon. And you're actually a very nice guy normally, but then you'll just black out. And when you'd come out, of, I mean, you hear people, you hear it on those crime shows. I, black, I was drinking, I blacked out. When I came out, I had blood all over me. That's called demon possession. I was watching Alaska State Troopers. That was a show that used to be on. Three of the four calls that the Alaska State Troopers got, well, you needed a preacher. They came to the door. There's something up in my upstairs room making noise. It's a spirit. That's what the Inuit people were telling. They said, well, I don't know. You know, There's nothing to do. These spirits haven't gone anywhere. They just zip tie people's hands to a bed and fill them full of medication so they don't make any noise. They don't deliver them. Psych wards and tent cities and everything else. Demons. So, I said, however violent you are, and whatever experience you've had with demons or even being demon-possessed, I said, I know you've never been as bad as this guy because all of you have matching clothes on. I figured I'd roll the dice and hope they laugh and not shove a sharpened toothbrush up my sternum, but it worked. So I said, uh, I said, you can keep clothes on. I said, this man was so violent. If he was in this prison, they wouldn't be able to put him in this prison. They'd have to put him in his own walled off unit with no contact with the other prisoners. And he'd be buck naked because nobody could get clothes on. And I said, so however bad you, off you think you are, you're less bad off than this guy. And I said, Jesus didn't have to drag him to a side room and pray for him for four hours and fling oil around and take him to a two-week generational curse conference. Jesus just stood there, and the demons knew it was time to leave. And they came up. You know why the Lord gave me that scripture? Because it, it took all the intimidation out of me of those guys being there because I thought the Ark of the Covenant had enough power in it that it knocked the idol over without doing anything. The ark wasn't fasting. The ark wasn't praying. The ark wasn't speaking in tongues. The ark is a wooden box. But you know what the Bible says? 
It was never the will of God for the thing that was in that box, the glory and power of God, to dwell in vessels made by human hands. Know ye not that you are the that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. What was in that box is in me. And the same way that idol had to fall and break in front of that box, there is no demon power that can stay in the room with me. Hallelujah. In my name, they'll cast out devils. Now, here's what's going to happen. Some of you, after hearing this, the gift of faith is coming on you. You're going to go back to your house, and the thing that you, the devil told you you're going to have to put up with, my 14-year-old daughter, she had my son's 20, and he, you're going to go back to that room. And the same way that idol couldn't inhabit the same space as that box. When you walk in that house, the Bible says in Joshua 1, wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll be on land that I've given to you. I got news for you. The devil's not paying the rent on your house, nor is he paying the mortgage. That's not his house. That's your house. And the light that's in you is greater than the darkness that's in that house house darkness doesn't drive out light light drives out darkness i see that darkness coming out of your family coming out of your house the devil will not write the final chapter of your family you and jesus are going to write a new chapter tonight if you believe it shout yes say it one more time in my name they will cast out devils The devils are going right now. The devils are going right now. Jonathan, I heard you're going to Africa. You'll find the demon power much greater over there. Actually, I found it equally weak everywhere I've gone. They make the same girlish noise on their way out in every country. That's what they all sound like. I've never heard one go, ah. Never. I'm telling you the truth. The devil is not trying to be defeated. He got his tail kicked 2,000 years ago on the cross of Jesus Christ. And now he made me more than a conqueror. I'm looking at a room full of more than a conqueror. Say it with me. The Lord is good. good. And his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Your son's not going to die a heroin addict. Your son's going to get saved and preach the gospel. The devil's not going to write the last chapter of your family's story. You're going to write a new chapter with Jesus tonight. I said you're going to write a new chapter with Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. 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 In my name, they'll cast out devils. See, when you preach like this, you don't have problems in your church much. Because anybody that's a problem just leaves. They'll leave now. You run them off two at a time instead of 400 at a time. Yeah, you have 21 days of prayer and fasting. People just decide to resign. 
just, yeah, fire drove them out. Can you say amen? amen. Things that are hidden get, get exposed. You take the Holy Ghost out of church, you're walking through a minefield your whole life. You got the fire. The fire drives out the snakes and then kills the snake it drove out. Can you say amen? Every hidden snake, every serpent that's hidden in the woodpile, the fire of the Holy Ghost is going to expose it tonight and destroy it tonight in Jesus' mighty name. February is going to be the best month that you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. So I was talking to those guys. You know, before I got that revelation on that scripture, I was going through the thing on the phone with them. Okay, so then if I'm attacked, I press this button and it radios for someone to come. When I got that revelation, I stood there like I was doing a kindergarten class. Because there was nothing, I knew there was nothing that those spirits, they wouldn't be able to do anything to me. They'd fall flat. If somebody got up to attack me, he he couldn't get to me. Not because I'm Steven Seagal, because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. So I'm talking to these guys with one hand in my pocket. I said, I'm going to tell you right now. If you have a weaker spirit than that demon-possessed guy had, and Jesus didn't even have to cast it out, just his presence was there. I said, then you can't tell me there's anybody here, unless you want to, that has to leave still bound by that stuff. I said, I didn't come here to give you guys a bunch of Bible lessons. I came to preach enough faith out of the Bible for you to know. Whatever went wrong in your life, I told him. I said, maybe you were molested. Maybe you had something happen when you were five. You carried that anger in you from the time you were little. Jesus is going to drive that spirit that came in through that open door out of you right now. I said, that's why I'm here. I'm here to rescue you. Now they're listening a little more. And then I'm wondering how I'm going to close the service. And as soon as I started to wonder how I was going to close the service, I looked at this one guy. Turned out he's from the Dominican Republic. Three teardrop tattoos. I don't know what you know about those but you don't get them from giving super good hugs. Murders. And I said, excuse me, my friend. I believe you're the reason that I'm here. I said, when you were a little boy, your grandmother used to hold you on her lap and put her hand on top of your head and say, in Spanish, you're going to preach. You're going to preach. And he, when I said that, he fell out of his chair onto his knees and lifted his hands and started to yell, Santo! That means holy. And you could tell by the way those guys' heads whipped around that they didn't hear him say that much. Santo, he's crying. I said, perhaps the whole reason I'm here today is to make what your grandmother say come to pass. You know, I don't mean to sound callous, but who cares what's happening right now? Power of death and life in your tongue. And some of you grandfathers that are here and grandmothers, the devil can do whatever he wants. You already decreed a thing, and it's going to get established tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't say that to win that guy over. Perhaps the whole reason I felt to go to that prison was because that grandmother had already declared over her grandson, you're going to preach. So God sent a preacher in to go get him out. And all the other guys just got blessed as residual effect. I said, well, stand up on your feet. And then I did something that I found out later is illegal. You're not supposed to touch the prisoners. But nobody told me. So I said, lift your hands. And I put my hands on his head. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I curse this spirit of violence that's dominated your life up until de- today. I set you free as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. He fell to the ground, praying in tongues. Well, if you're going to do something illegal, might as well make it super illegal. 
I said, every last one of you stand up and go line up. You know, it was only about a minute and a half after I said it that I thought, you can't talk to people like that. In fact, the guard that they assigned to me remarked to the warden after that he, that's what amazed him is they have trouble getting those guys to line up. And then little me coming and go, now everybody get out of your seat and line up across the wall and lift both hands in every last one. See, that's the calling card of the Holy Ghost. When the power of God's in operation, you don't need a gun. You need your, your finger and your voice, and the Lord gives you power over things. What the police can't deal with, what the government can't deal with, you have the answer on the inside of you. I went down the line and laid hands on all of them. And then I said, now it's time to receive Jesus Christ. They lifted their hands. The anointing was so strong. I said, I said, lift your hands. I turn around and the guard they assigned, they give you one guard with nine bullets. There's 33 guys. That's not good. So if you don't have angels and God, you're, you're finished anyway. So I said, everybody lift your hand. I look back at my guard. And he's like this. I thought, oh, God. I got a scripture for you, officer. Watch and pray. Keys. Gun. Great, I got Don Knotts from the Andy Griffith show to keep me safe. Honest to God, you think I'm joking around when I saw him like that? I went like this. Everybody close your eyes. Because I feel like shanking him just on principle, to be honest with you. <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> I led him in the sinner's prayer. Isn't it interesting? You know how to touch the prisoners, but when the anointing was there, that guy, that guy not only didn't say, excuse me, Reverend, you can't do that. He, he's, he's in it too. And say, say with me, Isaiah 10, 27. Say, it is the anointing that lifts the heavy burden. And destroys the yoke of bondage. One more time. It is the anointing that lifts the heavy burden and destroys. How I many know God gave us the ability to deal with? No, not deal with. I'm not dealing with depression. I don't have it. There's nothing to deal with. I depress other people, but I have never been depressed. <laughs> I don't have, I'm not dealing with mental problems. I don't have them. I've given other people mental problems, but I don't have any mental problems. I'm not dealing with sickness. Sickness is destroyed. And then God gave us power to destroy sickness in other people's body through the laying on of hands, through speaking the word, through anointing with oil, through cloths taken from the body of people that are anointed. Somebody say destroy. Oh, yeah. There's an Italian Pentecostal church, and uh, I knew the son of the lady pastor in Staten Island, New York. His, the guy's son was born, he was two years, or he was born, and he hadn't had any bowel movements, and the bowels were starting to get impacted, and he was getting infected, and it was going to kill him. So they had him in the NICU. So he drives from Staten Island, or from the hospital in New York City, back out to Staten Island, and tells the church, and the old Italian pastor took a cloth, had everybody gather around and prayed in tongues over it and said, take, take the cloth to your boy. This is a gross story, but this is what happened. They took the cloth, laid it on his son, and out shot, shot the two weeks of impacted bowels, and he was completely, all the infection cleared out. There's power. See, there's power. The anointing is power. 
I don't feel a drop of power on nine out of ten pe- uh, preachers. Forget believers, preachers. They're just they're like they're like TED Talk people. I don't I don't feel any different. I can't even tell they're a Christian. But there are other guys. They walk in the room. You can tell they don't know about Jesus. See, I know about Joe Biden up the street. I don't know him. I know about whatever other politician. I don't know them. If I went to hug them, I'd get tackled. There's a difference between knowing about. Today we're going to preach out of the book of Mark when Jesus was teaching. He was in Capernaum, which is about 30 kilometers from the Dead Sea. Who cares? I have Google Maps on my phone. I didn't come to church to hear what the temperature is like in Israel in August. Can you say amen? Then there's other guys. When they walk in, anybody ever hear of Dr. Lester Summerall? He was with another preacher that, that I know. And he said they were standing backstage getting ready to come out to preach. And Lester Summerall put his hand on his belly and said, Oral Roberts is here tonight. And the preacher I know said, no, he's not here. He, had, he was supposed to be here, but he had to cancel. And he looked at, you know, here's just the thing. When an old preacher says something, don't contradict them. He said, he kept his hand on his belly and looked at me and said, no, he's here. I can feel his healing anointing. He said they walked out and he was in the front row. Feel it. Power. Real power. And power went out from him. And what, what did Luke say? Luke was a doctor. So he was always remarking. And the power of God was present to heal. And many came to hear and be healed of their diseases. Somebody say power. power. That power is coming back to the church. That power is coming back to the church tonight. That power is already filling people right now as I'm speaking. Some of you feel it. What, what you're feeling in particular is the gift of faith. That just like I was afraid of those prisoners because I never preached in prison before. Then the Lord gave me that scripture and that power kicked up and I didn't care. It was like talking to I'm telling you. I felt like I was doing a sixth grade class at a Christian school. Didn't make any difference. Their tattoos didn't bother me. They're, the ones that are looking at me mean in the beginning. They don't make any difference. I'm, I, this ain't no contest. The contest has already been won. Can you say amen? amen. Somebody say power. power. So I'll bring it back. That guy ended up taking the application to go to Bible school. They told me at the prison that when he called home that week, he led his wife and three kids, actually he's from Baltimore, led them to the Lord and said he'll be out. And then we, I was teaching out of Kenneth Hagin's faith book. He believed that the Lord would get him out earlier if he went to go preach the gospel. And then he came up with a big smile. They're letting me out. They commuted my sentence. And that was the last I heard from him. Now there's some guy with three teardrop tattoos walking around telling people about Jesus just to give a middle finger to the devil that the people that you think you own, you don't own them. God will set them free and God will make them the great. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There are people here tonight, you think it's going to be a struggle just to live for the Lord. But God is going to so show his power. You're not going to spend your time struggling to live for the Lord. God's going to take somebody that the devil thought was his greatest captive and turn them into a great leader that not only gets free from their thing, but starts to go and set other captives free. There is enough firepower in this room to run the devil's sorry rear end right back out to the Potomac. The devil's not going to have Maryland. The devil's not going to have Virginia. The devil's not going to have Washington, D.C. This is the time of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Well, those two girls, I'll close with this. Those two girls are standing there. There's a spirit 
that likes to see you harm your body. And I've been sent to destroy its work. Go! Let me just do a full teaching. Say two words with me. Possession. Possession. Say a second word. Oppression. Oppression. Oppression's from the outside. Possession's from the inside. Some people here aren't possessed, but there's an oppression. You know, Bishop Donnie was telling me today that he doesn't like watching TV anymore. And I kind of got like that too. Because even the commercial, it's not even the shows, it's the commercials. I don't like getting sold drugs twice every seven minutes. Are you a man over the age of 50? Who's asking? Put prices right back on. Shut up. Are you using the bathroom more than you used to? None of your business, weirdo. I don't know. I don't keep track. I'm not nuts. Can you say amen? Amen. Actually, I am peeing 3.1 times a day. Talking about blindness. Then I got this new commercial. Hey, do you know Ralph, your friend? Yeah, how's he doing? He died. And he didn't have any life insurance. Do we have life insurance, Hank? What about you? Do you? (laughs) Trying to enjoy the day. Everything's death, blindness, cancer, liver failure. You can take that trash and shove it back to hell. If I wasn't in covenant with God, I'd get all the medication I could. But thank God, part of the package deal is he didn't just die on the cross for my sins. Before he went to the cross, they whipped his back. The whipping wasn't for my sin. The whipping was for my sickness and my disease. And by his stripes, I'm not going to get healed. By his stripes, I am healed. Shout it out, I am healed. By the blood of Jesus Christ. You can feel it. You can feel like the opposite spirit of that commercial. Amen. One more time said, I'm healed. Say, I'm not going to get healed. I am healed. Hallelujah. So those girls go under the power shaking and then it gets better. I go to preach the next night, and those two girls that were very reserved, they'd sit in their seats like this when I preach. Can we testify tonight? I said, sure. You know, I didn't even ask them why. Sometimes you can just tell, A, the person's not crazy, and B, that they got something to say. I, I had the mic. I said, come up and testify to those two girls that saw me and tell everybody what happened, and I'm looking forward to hearing what happened. They said, I, the one girl said, I cut myself on my hip almost every day for 18 months. Everybody say oppression. She said, I felt a pressure come over me, and I couldn't get relief from the pressure until I'd cut myself, and it'd go away. So I did it on the hip where no one could see, and my friend here in the youth group, we did that together, both on our hips. And they said, when he called us out yesterday and said, God sent him to destroy that spirit, I felt the thing that caused that pressure go. And they said, and then we went home, went back to our dorm room, and we're smiling and saying, man, I feel better. And we went to change for bed. She said, when I went to change into my pajamas, I looked at my hip. Now, you cut yourself in the same place for 18 months. There's going to be some serious scar tissue. She said, when I looked, all scar tissue was gone. And I went to run across the room to tell my friend. And she met me halfway because she was coming to run to tell me. All my scar tissue is gone. God not only delivered, he restored all the damage that was done by the devil because he's a miracle working 
God. Sister Clarita, can I get some? He's a miracle working God. Every hand lifted. You don't even have to stand up. Just lift your hands. Let's, let's worship him for being a miracle working God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's a miracle working God. Thank you. He's a miracle working God. Miracle He's a miracle working God. He's a working God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's a miracle working God. He's a miracle working God. That's right. He's a miracle working God. He's not Buddha. He's not Allah. He's the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a miracle working God. He's a miracle working God. Miracle working God. Miracle working God. Miracle working God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's a miracle working prayer Christian if you believe God's a miracle working God what do you get kept in prayer he's not deaf he hasn't started to lose his hearing over time when he hears you he answers you when you finish praying say, now keep me in prayer what have you said it, it actually didn't work but it just keep well if it didn't work now I ain't gonna work on the second or third time either so that's why Raymond T. Ritchie came up and said how many are you gonna keep brother Johnson in prayer Amen. no he already heard us. Let's thank him for the answer. Believing that you have received. Not that you will receive, that you have received. Let me pray for my friend here in the third row. Step out into the alley again. They'll give you some help if you need help. Now, we all have to die sometime thanks to our buddy Adam. But you're not dying now, and you're not dying sick. That's it. The power of God flows right into you. Be whole in Jesus' name. That's it. Go right through you. I'm going to tell you something while I'm in the anointing. 
I will never not be able to travel. If Jesus tarries another 50 years and I'm still alive and I'm 93, I will get on airplanes when I need to get on airplanes. I will poop and pee a normal amount of times in a day. I'm not conceding any bodily functions. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be strong. The Bible says even, in, I mean, no, as you get older. No, that's not a scripture. The Bible says even in old age, they will remain vital and green and shall produce fruit. I went to go see R.W. Schambach when he was 81. 81. 81. Reached for two hours, had a, had a white bath towel from the hotel drenched in oil and when he finished preaching for two hours said everybody line up I'm going to lay anoint every person with oil and there were 1100 people there so you know I know you say that no no I don't know the people you know I know other people that are like actual Christians somebody say I can have what God said I can have and it ain't rolling dice and hoping they come up sevens I mean we give our prayers sometimes he says yes sometimes no sometimes wait what scripture is that? I want to hear. What scripture is that? You made that up. Not in the Bible. It says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. I mean, you know, sometimes the mountain doesn't move, but it gives us strength to climb it. You can't just start making up verses. So speak to the mountain, your mountain will move. Not might move, will move. Will means definitely. Now, you're my favorite person in this whole building, whether you like me or not. You stay in your seat, put both hands on your sides. You'll never need kidney dialysis your whole life. Lord gives you brand new, here's some new parts. Two brand new kidneys and a brand new pancreas. So you can do the ministry and eat what you want. Now I'm going to tell you, the Lord is going to put, in a, actually not put it, he put while I was preaching a fresh anointing, all I did was stir up what was already on the inside of you, because me and you are the same. And you're going to get back in the saddle and have the best run in the ministry that you've ever had. In Jesus' name. Down through your feet. As all your blood flow goes to normal levels, all the other little problems are going to clear out too. Your eyes become clear. That's all blood stuff. It all becomes clear. That's right. <laughs> the joy of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel a new fire. I feel a new fire. With long life will I satisfy you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Look at you. Look at you. You're planking. If you can do that, you're healed. I did a plank, forearm plank. Stupid devil. Stupid devil. A stupid old Diablo. guys came here from Nevada I missed you in, in Pittsburgh sorry I ran the service too long when you go home you're supposed to go home already I had a feeling <laughs>
Come out, I'm going to pray for you. You did the right thing coming here. You know, these people came all the way from Nevada. How far are you from Las Vegas? Five hours. I'll be there. By the way, if you're watching on TV, I'll be at the... This is such a fun announcement to make as a preacher. If you're watching right now, I will be at the Plaza Hotel and Casino beginning this next Thursday night in the ballroom at the casino. So wade through the cigarette smoke and come to where the Pentecostal music is. Las Vegas is turning. Less than 20% of the revenue of Las Vegas hotels is now gambling. Turning. Devil's not having this country. If you don't believe me, give me a couple more years. I'm going to kick that guy's face for a long time. Jesus paid too high a price. We're not letting America turn into Europe. I can tell you that right now. Even Europe's turning with both hands. Other than the father in the middle. Put your hands on your sides. Similar to the other guy just prayed for. Pancreas and two kidneys. You'll never spend any days hooked up to dialysis. Lord heals both of your feet. Whatever health problems run in your family stops with you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Miracle working. less sugar. No! No, I'm not. I like sugar. I've tried all the substitutes. They suck. I don't like them. I'm going to live and I'm going to have fun living. I mean, you're already not allowed to do anything as a Christian. Now you're going to take sugar away too? I can't drink, I can't gamble, I can't smoke, no sex outside of marriage, and now I can't have a popsicle. No, I, I draw the line there. I'm keeping, I'm keeping ice cream, okay? Amen. Somebody say, I want to live a long time. And I'm going to have fun living. And the devil's going to have a bad time. From today, the devil will regret not killing you when he had the chance. Because from today, you're going to torment him every hour. Go ahead and celebrate. Power of God's on you, brother. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me pray for you, Sister Nita. 
with both hands from today begin to step into your ministry in the area of healing and miracles even if you're speaking like a lady's breakfast or something the gifts of the spirit are going to start to flow without you even trying in jesus mighty name in jesus mighty name praise god i know the lord touched you last night i saw him touching you about 35 minutes ago take a couple steps forward lift both hands close both eyes as you do the power of god comes upon you that's it the right three in jesus name in jesus name in jesus name take one let me pray for you you any other sisters there you can all come and practice to be here down the floor. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Every prayer your mother and father have prayed for you comes to pass this year. In Jesus' name. I know your kids have school and stuff and it's late to be out. But once you learn how to read, you can Google everything else. <laughs> I was a C student and I have a, my own private jet. I got it from the anointing. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. Do you know how many classes I passed because my teachers liked me? You make me laugh. I feel better when you're in my class. Yeah. Your teacher liking you do better than you being smart. And you say amen. And favor comes with the anointing. Amen. Two principles just stormed out, but it's true anyway. Amen. <laughs> I'm not preaching stupidity, but let me ask you a question. What good is it to have an A-plus student that goes away to New York University on full scholarship and comes back in a year and a half and hates you, hates God, has a, cuts themselves, has an Adderall addiction? You need to get your spirit right first. Amen. I believe I announced I was going to pray for everybody tonight. I pray for this lady with the gray shawl on and black top. And watch. You. No, you. I don't, I'll pray for everybody. But you come. Gray shawl. You have a nose, two eyes, hair, a neck, two shoulders. Tenish fingers. Lift both hands, close both eyes. I believe I prayed for you last night. Put one hand on your belly. Lord heals your internal organs. All your blood levels go to blood pressure goes to normal. You won't be able to get it back up. In Jesus' name. Now I want to tell you something. I'm not I'm all, I'm not preaching stupidity. I'm not preaching driving out of school. I'm also not preaching eating yourself into a scooter. I will say this, though. Jesus never dealt with anybody's health problems with, by their diet. When the man was blind, he didn't give him a Ziploc bag full of carrots. So I'm saying that because there's people here that you're very frustrated, especially people that are 65 and older, because you actually have done everything the doctor told you to do. 
change your breakfast, change what you've been eating, and it hasn't done anything. So God is going to give you a supernatural touch in your body and heal you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Rondore, iscondo, prandore kiti. Indiaraba, progosto, rindiarabandi, mondore pati arabosto, ondiarikiti, postondiaraba, ringondore ba, ikiti araboste, mondore candiarabo. Boston di Araba, Kindiana Mondo Rekiti Asto, Piscondo Repa, Ninan di Arabotie, Coston di Araban di Arabo, Rendi Arabostin, Moko Ista Regindie, Mondo Repa Ocorre, Mindi Arabo, Estan di Arabotia. Jesus just extended your life, just so you know long life. You're going to have a long, healthy life. I'll tell you another thing. Not only am I going to be able to travel my whole life, I'm not, I'm not spending any time in any waiting rooms, ever, to fill out paperwork and get treated. It'll never happen. If Jesus had his body beaten beyond recognition, tell me why I have to do that. Man, I'm not doing it. I'll be healthy and strong and ticking people off when I'm in my 90s if Jesus tarries. Mind sharp. I won't be telling old stories. I'll be telling new stories. Just as a forewarning. I pray for this lady. Let me see. Lift both hands closed by that. Put one hand on your belly, one hand on your forehead. You took a little detour earlier in your life. It's like you've been trying to get back. But the Lord brings you all the way back onto the path of life. And just like those two girls at youth camp restores everything. Where I was going to be like, yep, you're forgiven and you're on the right path. But there's certain things that got messed up from choices you made in your past that that's just going to be the way it is. But no, the Lord even restores what was lost and restores your body and gives you miracles for your body. That's it. Jesus name in Jesus name by the way I know you think I like take a light attitude towards the devil and that no, actually they're a demon spirit I was just preaching in Angola with Bishop Dag and they told me the head witch came on the field she had all, on all black do you know how, how what we did we didn't all pray in tongues for 30 minutes to get her to leave I said ma'am you're going to have to leave so leave and she nodded her head yes and walked off the field yeah didn't even get her broom just left Amen. Amen. Somebody say a word with me. Say salvation. Salvation. The word in the Bible is S-O-Z-O, sozo, and it means complete deliverance for the entire man. So this may not be the most Billy Graham-esque salvation altar call, but I'm going to give the one I feel in my spirit to give. 
If you're here tonight and you, like those two girls at the youth camp, are battling things that you maybe haven't even shared anyone with anyone, but life, me, you laughing with me tonight is the first time you've laughed in a long time. Life has not been fun. It's been hard. And there's an oppression that you can't shake, a sadness you can't shake. People say, why are you sad? You should be happy. You know you should, but you can't. There's a bondage in your life. And you need Jesus to make you free. Young people that are here. That's why I'm here. Just like I was there for those two girls, the Lord assigned me to set you free. The Lord assigned me to set you free today. You're, you're 40 feet, if you're sitting in the back, you're 45 feet away from being free. You can't force miracles on people. You know, you have people, if this service gets out on the secular media, they'd say, oh, that, those guys can really do that. Why don't they go to the hospital and just get everyone out? First of all, stupid. If you go to a hospital without permission, you can insert going to people's rooms and praying for them, they kick you out. Not a difficult concept to understand. Secondly, you can't force miracles on people. Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. Miracles are cooperative. You have to desire the thing from God. To make people get you come here, give your life to Jesus. It doesn't work like that. That's why you give altar calls. It's you as a, it's you showing, actually, not only do I want this, I want it more than I care what anybody thinks of me. I'm done. If what you preached is true, and I don't have to be depressed, I don't have to be sick. I don't have to battle some trauma that happened when I was seven for the rest of my life. I'm sorry that secular counseling is coming to the church. There's certain things you'll just carry your whole life. No, you won't. Just like there's an anointing to open the eyes of the blind, there's an anointing to bind up the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that have been bruised. That's what the Bible says. There's people here, you carry stuff. Things happen to you out of your control. Decisions bad people made for your life when you were too little to fight back. The devil in his dumb mind is thinking, I don't have to worry about them anymore. I, I hit them so hard when they were four or seven or whatever, they're done. They'll never recover from that. And in the natural, he's right. But the devil counted out that you'd be here tonight and that the Jesus of the Bible with his nail-scarred hands would set you free. Free! Not a little more free. Free. I'm free. I'm totally free. Me, I'm free. I don't have a work. I don't have one worry in the world. I got a $24 million budget. It might as well be a $24 budget. I don't care. I don't even check the, the, the reports much anymore. You know, after, after 21 years of God coming through easily, what do you, what's, to, what's to think about? Amen. You say, Jonathan, I do realize I've allowed the bondage of the enemy to rule my life, but I'm coming to Jesus. You're not coming to me. You're coming to Jesus. I'm his servant. I'm done. If those things you preach in the Bible are true and Jesus died so that I could be free, not just to go to heaven, but be free. Be free from all the oppression of the devil. I'm not putting it off one more hour. I make up my mind right now. I'm coming out of depression. I'm coming out of bondage. I'm coming out of having a miserable life that I hate. Yeah, but I don't know how. Yeah, you don't know how and you never will. Neither do I. 
God does it the same way God will make a Red Sea stand up and turn the bottom of the ground into a highway. He'll change your life if you'll come to him by faith. What's faith? I believe you'll do what you said. Here I am. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. I want to do that tonight. Quickly put your hand up and wave it at me. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray with you right now. Pray with you first. I see you on the right. Who else? I see you. I see you. Who else? I'm done. I'm done being bound. I want to be free. I'm not going to be a drug addict. I'm not doing drugs at all. I'm not saying this to make people feel bad that drink alcohol or have drink. I'm telling you, I've never had a drop of alcohol in my life, and I never will. If you had my parents, you wouldn't have either, and I'm not going to start now. When I listen to guys like Joe Rogan, I'll try and do, sinners don't even want to have it anymore. But I'm going to start at 43. Yeah, I got a sealed bottle of wine in my hotel room. They left it to me as a gift. It'll st- it'll stay there unless somebody breaks into the room and I have to use it as a weapon. That's the only way that thing will get open is if it's opened on someone's head. But it's not going in my body. Probably could have left that part out, but I'm telling you, I don't drink. So you can, everybody say, I can be free. That's why I'm telling you that. I'm not, this is not a fake gospel. I live like that. The only woman I've had sex with is my wife. Only person I've had sex with is my wife. I have to say nowadays, unfortunately. <laughs> That's it. So I'll be in that lives like that. No, you live like that. God will give you the power to live like that. Amen. I'll give you the power to do all the parts, to lend and not borrow. We don't have, we're not a debt-free ministry. We've never had any debt to be free from, and we never will. Before any need arises, the supply will be there ahead of time. Because God's word is real. Everyone that lifted their hand. If you wish you lifted your hand and you want to come now, I want every person, those of you with more boldness, you come first. It'll help those that are more shy. Every person that lifted a hand and wants prayer, I want you to come right now. In Jesus' name, come. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag it out. Every hand that was lifted, this is your day. Line straight across the front. In Jesus' name. We're going to line you straight across so it's easier to pray for. Everybody keep coming. If the Lord's dealing with your heart, this is your night. I'm not going to hell. I'm not living in hell while I'm on earth. I give my life to Jesus. I want to live in heaven on earth. Somebody say heaven on earth. Praise God. Lift both your hands all across the front. I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and I want you to pray it. It's repentance and surrender to God and receiving the sacrifice of Christ. There's only one way to God. It's through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to surrender my life to you. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.